What's up everyone, this is Goody with Open Minded Sports, and I got the homeboy Jay Said here. Jordan, say what's up. What's up, y'all? How's it going? Yeah, yeah. All zero listeners are going to listen to this. Probably just be me and you, but fuck it. Yeah, it'll be a look back, archive of our thoughts. Yeah, man, getting ready for the Moab Half Marathon Trail Run. Uh, so I know just before we started recording, you were talking about your ankle, man. Kind of take me through that. So you fucked it up. And you spra- you like strained your ankle or sprained it or whatever, and now you're finally getting back into it. Yeah, I mean, uh, so I think, I mean, I didn't get it like officially diagnosed by like a doctor or anything, but I'd say it's like a low-grade sprain. So, I mean, just some of the symptoms, like I had a bunch of swelling on the tendons, like lower part of my foot, and then it kind of ran. That bruise. That was yeah, from my heel to, to like my toes. Um, so that's just like bruised tendons. So still walk on it and everything, so it was good. So I just say, yeah, like low grade. Did kind of probably do some tendon damage, but nothing too crazy. Um, gotcha. And but so yeah, you, luckily, yeah, go been, able to, been able to just run on it. And um, yeah, just started actually this week. So last Sunday, what, three days ago. Um, put about seven and a half miles on it and felt good. And, just did five today, so just slowly trying to get back into it. So you did seven a couple of days ago. You did five today. I know you said it was it was pretty sore after the seven. How's it feeling after running five this morning? Good now, but usually uh, I, the, the soreness is usually at night mainly. Once, you know, I'm on it all day, mm-hmm. it just adds up over time. But no, yeah, it's, it's feeling good, and I'm just trying to, like, not – do too much on it but still kind of get my like ankle working so like mobility routines and stuff like that just kind of rehabbing it slowly yeah i mean i just use bro science and everything i do but it seems like for you the fact that the post run hurting that pain that it's like decreasing is a positive sign to me that you're starting to like move the needle in terms of like going from getting done and being in pain being in pain to like go, being done and being just sore and strengthening those muscles so yeah exactly it, it doesn't seem like a tendonitis type thing it seems like something you just got to like push through and you seem to have a good grip on it yeah it's not bad it's, exactly it's kind of just uh definitely not a tendonitis you can tell it's just like a more of a dull pain so nothing crazy like sharp or mm-hmm. nothing alarming so it's always been good and have you been lifting weights in the meantime, or what have you been doing without that ankle mobility? Uh, yeah, before I was doing like a elliptical work, uh, some mount, some biking, and um, yeah, sticking on that mobility, focus on the upper body at the gym, and just kind of do those hit workouts. So, mm-hmm. so keeping the cardio going. And what's been like your go-to workouts? Uh, a lot of ch- uh, pull-ups more of the functional lifts so pull-ups and um like dips um just overhead overhead presses and stuff just kind of like uh general i don't know upper body stuff kind of don't really do a huge crazy like plan or anything just kind of keep the heart rate pumping and yeah just like some chest work so i'll do some bench and um you know do some dumbbell curls work on the arms mainly like chest shoulder work but yeah i mean i've been just trying to get my pull-up strength up uh up again used to be pretty good but now i felt like it kind of dropped a little bit um training for the marathon just didn't focus on them as much i feel that and honestly i think it's important to do upper body workouts but one thing that you realize with running is just the less body fat you have and the skinnier and better shape you get the more able you are to do you know, more pull-ups. For me right now, I've been doing a lot more wide grip pull-ups because I noticed that like when I have my hands straight up and down, like my shoulders are really strong, but my back's actually pretty weak. So I've been doing a lot more wide grip stuff and just getting my scapula stronger. Good. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of the key from uh, running so much is does uh, does kind of take a toll on your traps and stuff, especially your arms. Yeah, it's weird. You learn a lot just from working out. Like for me personally, I started doing deadlifts and high reps again. So 
20 to 25, sometimes 30 if I'm really feeling it, reps. And today I did, I just had a 35 pound uh, plate on each side. I did a set of 20. I've done it with 135 pounds as well and even gone as high as like 185, first set of 20. And I'll tell you, my lower back was burning for like a week. And you know, some people might hear this and say, well, it's probably shitty, shitty posture. When I work out, I go completely off feeling. Like I'm trying to feel strong, I'm trying to feel comfortable, and I'm trying to like work certain muscles. And so like I'm doing like straight leg uh, deadlift, so a lot more straight leg than I'm bending over a little bit with my back. But just realizing like how much my back's been burning is just a wake up call that if you're, you know, if your lower back is weak and you're starting to do incline work or something like you get into these runs like Moab and you're running seven miles uphill, your lower back's going to give like if it's not strong enough. And so that's been a big wake up call for me. Yeah, the incline work for sure. His uh, lower back and core. Exactly. Only, uh, to keep the form correct and, and your like speed, um, you know, your speed just keeps uh, building. I feel like, I just feel like having shitty form comes down to having control of what you're doing. Like for me, I'm not going to push like a heavy weight right away and like then you're like going against your back, you know, like I'm just, I want it to feel strong and when I'm doing like a lighter weight, heavy rep, it's more easier. And then as I'm starting to get into those heavier weights, low rep, you really have already set that foundation from doing the lighter reps and just like try to mimic that. I think when you like do something like way heavier than what you're supposed to do and then you're like not being in a rhythm and flow and you can feel like it doesn't feel right, that's the stuff I think you gotta be more alert of. But like me personally, I'm not like hypercritical of my posture. I just go off feeling. Yeah, no, I mean, that's how you should do it. Yeah. Just keeping your your form, like like you said, I mean, you can't just go straight into heavy weight. Your body's to get used to it. So. Exactly. Yeah, it's all about repetition. So we have 102 days until our event, I believe. What, you know, what are you trying to do from now until then? And what are you shooting for for the, the actual half marathon itself i mean the main difference in training this compared to the marathon just is incline work um so the quad stuff and just kind of um doing higher resistance elliptical um the but like high resistant biking more of the quad focused stuff and then mm -hmm. just kind of doing that more of the target heart rate training so staying in the zone three zone four well, zone four is a little high, but zone three, zone two, I suppose. I can well, be where you want to be. But, uh, for Grandma's Marathon, you are doing 10-mile runs with, like, 10, 15-mile runs at a heart rate of, like, average heart rate of, like, 150, 155 beats per minute. Is that, yeah. would you say that was just from, like, you pushing it? Would you say you might have been, like, a little out of shape? Well, I mean, just, you know, within context... But, like, yeah. I just feel like, yeah. you know, you being able to run that far at that heart rate makes me feel like when it comes to your training for Moab, you can take that heart rate and, like, equate that to a lot of incline stuff and really push yourself. Exactly. I think that that's a key is, like, the interval training because I've sort of focused on that. So, like, on my run today is when I would get to, you know, flat ground stuff, I kind of know the route already, so I know when the incline sections are up. So, flat ground I would kind of just take it easier pace, but then, you know, once the incline comes up, that's when your heart rate gets up to 160. Mm -hmm. You know, it's um, it's really about the interval and just kind of essentially the target heart rate. Because to me, incline is, you know, you're obviously, you want to keep similar pace, so you're going to just have to push that much harder to go up that grade of incline. But, um, and then it's like you can then level off afterwards. But if your body's just used to kind of pushing on the inclines, feel like that'll just be super beneficial because um, then you can kind of recover on the flat ground or downhill um, no absolutely. after the inclines so i and agree it depends yeah it totally depends on the size of the incline as well so i agree and you know just looking at adam peterman's splits on strava it's interesting because 
when you listen to him on podcasts, he talks about his his ability to do inclines, like running up hills and stuff, and that's where he kind of gets his edge in the races. But if you look at his splits and his elevation gains, he does exactly what you're saying in that he can get his heart rate up and still be at a good pace going up, and he knows that once he gets to that flatter downhill, he's able to bring that heart rate back. And so I think, like, for amateurs like you and me, like, sometimes once our heart rate goes up, it stays up. But being able to get into that shape where you have good muscular strength and endurance and low body fat, you're able to actually, like, raise your heart rate in certain aspects, but then taper it off in other aspects. And that's where I think, like, the strength is important because, like, you hear, like, Walmsley and Killian Jarnett or whatever, like, all these dudes, like, they don't lift weights or extra or like you know yeah they don't they don't lift weights from what i've you know heard but they kind of do because all they do is run up fucking hills and high elevation all day and that's a big ass leg workout so i think like for me at least being in in, uh chicago being able to mimic that type of training in the weight room is super important because you just got to build up that muscular strength exactly man and like you said um these guys are are really the peak of the career they're i mean the top 0.01 percent ultra athlete you know trail runners yeah but like the difference is so that's why i feel like maybe they don't necessarily lift weights but i was just curious of i, I feel like they do still well actually i believe i saw it on reddit or something someone claiming to be walmsy's friend you know it could be legit could be you know not nah, it's reddit but usually people tend not to lie for random reasons but besides the point he was saying that he doesn't really have like dedicated like core days or dedicated like leg works or just kind of stuff like that it's like he just goes and uh runs incline and elevation so it's very interesting to see like if someone is at that point and then if you know at, at that stage if you do like workouts and try to build muscle is that just a waste of energy at that point i don't know it's weird I- I don't think so, man, because just using bro science, like a lot of my logic stuff is just logic. Like I don't read something and take it verbatim. It's more on like experience and just with my experience and things like muscle memory is a real thing. So like if you can go out and do an hour and a half, two hours of cardio, which I know is pretty extreme, and then you're lifting weights on top of that, I feel like you're telling your body we're moving we're doing cardio for long periods of time we need to adapt our muscles to like tailor towards that if you're not doing any cardio and you're just sitting around and you're lifting weights then i think you're gonna like bulk up and and shit like that but like in my experience when you know i go and do incline treadmill for an hour and then i do a bunch of quad workouts like two days later i'll get back on the incline tread and it'll feel easier you know what i'm saying yeah no, I totally get it. Yeah, it's um, it is the the part. It's like, like you said, if you're not doing cardio, just lift, and then you get bulky. But into and, and I think that's where the high rep counts uh, lifts come into handy because like it does make your muscles more endurance focused. You know, thirty reps compared to eight. Mm-hmm. I, exactly. I mean, that's, that's only gonna help. I mean, just kind of gets your body adapted. But then again. Is there like a movement, like what if you instead of did rep-based, instead of like rep-based lifting, so instead of 30 reps, you just say, I'm going to do five minutes of deadlifting, and that's just a consistent pace. Like I wonder if that would transition or translate better than, I'd say, just reps. I think it would 100%, man, and just being able to be creative like that is really translative, I would say, translational. Like for me five days a week or I lift like six seven days a week honestly and like just listen to your body so some days I show up and I'm like I'm gonna do deadlifts for sets of 20 to 30 and then maybe two days later I show up again and I'm like I'm gonna do deadlifts for heavyweight so now I'm going for a max and I'm doing six set six reps most you know but maybe higher uh higher set count and just like using those to kind of complement each other. Like I don't just do high rep. I don't just do heavy weight. I try to do both. And then I think in terms of like the endurance aspect, it comes down to like your body fat percentage being like, you know, what you're eating and then muscle memory. So uh, I don't know if you've heard of like 
VO2 max or um, what do you call it? Lactic acid. La uh, yeah, lactic acid, I believe it is. Yeah, I've heard. Yep. Yeah. And I think you just kind of learn about lactic acid from playing baseball. Like you play, you long toss or something and your arm just feels super juiced up. And then they're like, go run 10 poles. And you're like, oh, okay, got to get that lactic acid down. And like reading more about that in the running sense. Like, so I, I think about that when I work out, like I'm going to try to like push my lactic acid threshold. Like I want to do a, I want to do like the bike and I'm going to turn up the, the pressure. So it's like harder to pedal. And I'm gonna just go, and you're gonna feel your your quads and legs are gonna slowly start to turn into stone. They're gonna like not be able to move, and that's like your lactic acid threshold. And then it's like, how long can I push in that moment? You know? Yeah, I think that's huge for sure for running like races at least. Like, so I, at the end of like every run or like workout, so like I do like kind of just pushing at the end, like sprint at the very end or whatever. That's you can kind of build your lactic acid threshold and also make sure like you can kind of judge your total output on the run as well right um or even just like peterman like he runs up a hill when you're running up a hill your lactic acid is going to be building up and then being able to like slow down and let that lactic acid just kind of deplete on like a flat and then like you know it's kind of like exactly. being in control of your body it's an interesting concept but then there's like the VO2 max, which is like what's the highest amount of oxygen you can inhale in your body, which I think deals with like heart rate. Like, I don't know if this is accurate or not, but like Killian and Walmsley could probably get up to like 195 heart, you know, beats per minute. And like, I think me and you, like, I don't know, it's, it's hard. That one's hard to like articulate into words. But like for me, VO2 max is kind of like, what is your max potential? So it's like, I don't go to the gym every day trying to focus on my VO2 max. I try to focus on my lactic acid and working on building that up and getting stronger in that regard. And then I feel like that's going to complement your VO2 max. Yeah, I mean, it definitely will. I think it's all, I mean, it's all just part of the puzzle, essentially, of what you need to got to kind of focus on. Yeah. Just I mean, so much to so much to kind of look at. Have you ever been, like, in, like, a position where you're, like, in really good shape and you can go for a run and you just feel like you're able to take, like, these deep-ass breaths and just, like, move as, like, a machine? Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's what I, like, for me, that's, like, VO2 max. Like, right now, I feel like I'll go for a jog and I can't, like, get those deep breaths. Like, I'm, like, I'm a caboose kind of. Like, I'm, like, there's something holding me back just a little bit. But I've been in that position where... I can run a seven minute pace and take like these really, really nice deep breaths and just fucking push and not ever get tired and run like 20 miles. So I'm trying to get back to that. Yeah, I think that's just in that cardio level. It's like that peak cardio fitness. Cause yeah, I mean, it's like I, when I was running faster, like seven and a half minute pace, all that. Like, crazy to me now. I'm like, damn, how do I go so fast? But yeah, I guess I wasn't doing as much mileage. So, and I, anymore. I think on that note too, when we were in those that good of shape a few years ago, because we were in the same shape around the same time, is that like your heart rate threshold picks up too. Like me, when we did Grandma's Marathon, I purposely stayed at 135, and you know sometimes I'd get up to like 145, 150, but I'm just whatever my pace is for 135, I'm trying to do that. But like three years ago, when I ran 22 miles at like a 7:30 pace, I'm pretty sure my heart rate was like 150 the whole time. Yeah, like, so that's the thing, man. It's a it's a Crazy. weird concept. But yeah, like you can just push for that for that long. You're yeah, just used to like you can just maintain a higher heart rate longer. So maybe that's where it comes in, like. Not necessarily, well, because I thought it was a mixture, like, you know, over time, once you get more acclimated cardio-wise, then your heart rate should be lower at that pace, right? But Yeah, that's then the it's thing. Like, they they then coincide. So then if you train, I guess, at that one heart rate where it's lower, but then race day, you know, you push it up to 150 beats per minute rather than 140 and are able to maintain it longer, then I see how that's super beneficial. Yeah, it's... It's a really complicated topic, right? Like, 
you when you the the better shape you get, then that one thirty five pace, that one thirty five beats per minute pace, all of a sudden is a quicker pace. But on the same sense, like my threshold of heart rate is like I can run at a one forty, one fifty pace now. But that's gonna be even faster than my one thirty five pace, which is like I don't know, it's a whole concept. Like it's something you kinda have to like experience to understand it. Exactly. It's uh it's weird. It's like a, a working theory almost. Yeah. You just gotta kinda feel well, well, kinda feel yourself and know how uh know how you react essentially. Exactly. Exactly. And that's where the strength I'm I think personally in the running world and you know i'm speaking as a novice like i'm not some big shot but like i know what needs to be done it's just a matter of doing it and like personally i feel like the running world has a ton of flaws like there's there's so many people that are like elite performers which is amazing and you know shout out that's awesome but it's like you hear about their like routine and you're like what like i was listening to a podcast with tim tollefson and uh What's his name? Zach something. Uh, I can't even think of his name, man. But they were basically joking. Zach Miller. And Zach Miller, Zach Miller. he was just joking. Like, Tim Tolfson eats like a 12-year-old, right? Like, you eat like a 12-year-old and you perform at the performance that you do. Like, what if you just made like a simple change? That could like level you up even more, you know? I mean, it's a good point, man. It's crazy maybe that's just holding them back like he did some blood tests and he had like an iron deficiency and a b12 deficiency or something and it's like you're one of the best runners you're one of the best ultra runners in the world man and, and you have an iron deficiency like that's just the weirdest concept to me you should definitely get that fixed damn i think he has been you know i was from a couple of years ago but uh yeah it's Tell me a little bit about your diet and, and kind of like, because that's like, that's like when you're like gassing up your car, right? Like your diet is your gasoline. So like, how are you feeling yourself and, and what are, what's your like, like, how do you feel about where you're at now and, and where you want to be? Uh, yeah, it's uh, mainly just trying to do like those simple, like, uh, simple, like unprocessed carbs, essentially. So like sweet potatoes, potatoes, right? Would you what percent of your diet would you say is uh you know simple carb? Thirty percent. I try not to have too much of it. I mean the main thing is like I've been getting bigger on fish, salmon, tilapia. A lot of tuna, honestly. It's cheap. You know the um, the interesting thing about fish, man, is like if you like did a Google research of like at professional athletes that are pescatarian, it's interesting because it seems like a lot of really well-performing athletes are pescatarian like there was a time when cam newton was pescatarian and he was like one of the best qbs in the nfl yeah that's true i mean that's that's part of it i think fish is like kind of a secret some really good fats in there um the protein's super lean like i mean you can't go wrong and i always like mixing in some red meat in there as well um honestly yeah it's like my body, like I haven't been craving it as much as I used to. So it's like, it's been weird. I've been kind of um, shifting to fish more so recently. That's good. Um, so so 30% carb, 1% fish or, you know, protein. Fish, like protein fat would probably be like the remainder is what I try. I mean, I don't, I don't really have, have like the macros counted out. So, just, you know, maybe not even adds up, but that's kind of the three categories I like to do. It's like. And sure, you know, I'll have, um, like, bad food, snacks. I like to, I just actually got some, like, cashews, trying to kind of just do more of the healthier snacks. And, I mean, nuts are some good fats as well. But then yeah. some additional carbs. I would personally, like, be hesitant of nuts because just me not having a colon, uh, I've had, like, I used to go to High V and get, like, all the good imported nuts and shit, man. And, like, they all come out terribly like not like stomach yeah. ache or anything like that but just like when you're chewing a nut and like what it is it's just like this hard thing and i, I like i don't know like how does it does it go down pretty well for you i, I yeah, just it usually does because i just I, don't eat too many of them i feel like if i overeat that's when it happens but if i just like have like a side for work you know like 
Right. I don't know. Yeah, that's pretty much all I have. I won't go crazy. There's we have some granola bars here and there, but it's like, you know, that's not really everyday thing. So, right. Just insert random snack, kind of junk food, I guess, so to speak. But there's a doctor. His name is Bill Schindler, and he's like, he's uh, an expert in like inventions within food of the last millions of years and he was just basically saying like he used to be a guy that was like you know eating the eating a lot of nuts for like the health properties and stuff but he like he thinks they're like terrible for you and it's just kind of interesting i can't remember why but i'm glad those go down and honestly like it's healthier than a lot of other snacks so yeah exactly and i don't really i mean this it just kind of recently happened as well. I don't I haven't really been too crazy on them. So um, so would your diet be like like a typical plate if I'm looking at your dinner plate, would it be like 70% fish or whatever protein you're having and then like 30% carb on the side so you might have like a piece of fish with some like mashed potatoes or what does that sure. look like? Yeah, I mean usually it'd probably be more so like 40%, I'd say 60-40. If it's just a plate, because yeah, dinner usually it's protein and like potato, so like we'll just cut up potatoes, bake them, put salt, pepper on it. It's kind of it. Like try not to add too much else. Um, but yeah, it's a good sized piece of fish, and then I had a, I don't know, cup, maybe cup and a half of potatoes. Cup and a half. Decent amount, yeah. It's a it's a good amount. So you typically rocking like tuna, salmon, or what kind of fish? For dinner, yeah, like salmon. Salmon are um. Some tilapia or what's the uh cod? Yeah, actually I haven't done much cod. Um Mackerel. Tilapia, yeah, it's kind of the standard fish. But I think another reason fish is so good is um like me personally, like I'm not currently keto or carnivore, but I'm a part of the community and one thing that I've learned from being in the community is there's this thing you want and it's that omega three to omega six fatty acid ratio. And you typically want that to be a one-to-one ratio. But a lot of people are lopsided towards omega-6 fatty acids compared to omega-3. And so if you look up foods that are high in omega-3, that would be mackerel, salmon, cod liver oil, herring, oysters, sardines. And then if you looked up foods that are high in omega-6 fatty acids, that's like walnuts, tofu, safflower oil, um, eggs, so it just kind of like tells you like how many people are eating like fried food that's really high in fat, but it's probably omega sixes. Whereas uh, like just something like as simple as what you're doing, where you're just adding more omega threes, and it seems like you seem to be feeling great. You're recovering quickly from your ankle injury, and like your your cravings for shitty food are going down. You know, I think sure. there's definitely a correlation there. Yeah, the sugar thing too, man. It's like if you stop having that fucking explosion of dopamine or whatever happens when you have a bunch of sugar, like chemically, it's it's kind of a thing as well. Like body craves it. I mean, honestly, like sugar, cannabis. There's a lot of things that just like trigger your dopamine receptors that, like, I think in this day and age, we as humans just crave it, and you have to have that poise of being like. I crave it, but, like, I don't need it. Yeah, you can get, like, so much. Right. Easily. I've been I've been really interested lately in carbs that are high in niacin because niacin gives yeah. you energy. And so I've, I've been doing some research. There was a, uh, there was a tribe in Mexico that's, like, a, they do a lot of running. I can't think of what their, their tribe, their indigenous people are called. But, uh, they do a lot of nixtamalization, a lot of maize. And when you nixtamalize maize or corn, it really it makes the niacin in the corn more bioavailable. So these people, their diet is like 70% maize and they like sip like soup throughout the day and they're in incredible shape. And then the other, there's another uh, indigenous people that live along the Nile River in like Kenya and Sudan, I think. And they eat primarily meat, but they supplement sometimes throughout the year. They'll harvest pumpkin. And when you look up some of the food, some car, foods, are, or when you look up carbs that are high in, in niacin, 
uh, Nick's timeline maze was, was probably the highest, and then pumpkin is extremely high as well. And then what you're doing, sweet potato, is slightly less than pumpkin, and that's a high one as well. Yeah, man, that's it's a good theory. Like I know, I remember you talking to me about it. Um, yeah, and I just think those ones just high in ice, and I mean, all those you mentioned are, are great sources of carbs. It's just like when you get towards like the pasta and bread and things like that i feel like you start to deter away from actual um benefits of some carbs so i feel like you know with those processed carbs you kind of lose that natural like niacin and those other nutrients where i really don't have any like, proof or evidence but i mean that just kind of makes sense to me like just it's more of a byproduct i guess i don't know yeah yeah, and, and just knowing, like, what your body can digest. Because, like, me not having a colon has forced me to kind of, like, realize a lot of things about food. And, like, one thing, if you listen to, like, these podcasts with ultra runners like Courtney Dahlwalter and Jim Walmsley and these, you know, these beasts, they they all talk about, oh, you, you know, it's kind of a thing of luck how your stomach's feeling on race day. And I'm just like, you know what, that's fucking bullshit, man. You're eating cookies and Snickers bars and doing, like, high-volume shit and you're wondering mm-hmm. why your tummy is hurting on race day. You know, like, like even Peterman, who's like the bet, he just won the Western States 100, and they're asking him, you know, is there anything that the public doesn't know that happened on your run? He's like, yeah, I threw up like three times. And he like gets to mile like 15 or mile 20, he's drinking Coca-Colas. And it's just, it's fascinating. And like, wow, that's, that's nuts, man. And, well, and I saw like fruit snacks are like his thing. Yeah, like there's got to be like a, a fine line of when you got to go to more solid foods. I mean, I obviously am not running a hundred miles, and I mean I plan to one day, but I feel like there's sometimes you need to kind of just have more of those, more of those plain, just like dense food, like I don't know, a little like beef jerky or something. I don't know if that would do anything good, but well, where I, where I was going with that was that. Um... So when you really break it down to like when you really get into it, so you consume your food and your small intestine basically takes the nutrients that it needs to thrive. So fats, proteins, certain carbs, like I think starch is easily digested, but then everything your body can't digest gets passed to your large intestine, your colon. And from there it'll suck out the water content and it will produce, it'll help formulate stool to be passed through your bowel movements, right? So in my eyes, you should eat foods that are very readily available to the small intestine and alleviate as much pressure as you can on your large intestine. So for me, that's, you know, fats and proteins like fish and meat. And then when it comes to carbohydrates, I would say it's low fiber carbs that are simple and and easily digested, which would be, you know, a mashed potato, a yeah. pumpkin or uh, squash, you know, just simple shit right. like that. I think yeah, because some of those. Sorry to cut you off. Uh, no. Just some of those. Um, some of those other carbs, such as like vegetables, like broccoli, things like that. I feel like if I eat too much, then it's like too much fiber. That's where I start to get kind of get bloating and. Well, I'll tell you, my dad. Issues. My yeah. my dad has diverticulitis, and you know he just was. I this was the most. For me, it was obvious. Like, talking to him on the phone one day, he's talking about how later this week he's going to roast up a bunch of vegetables on the grill. So he roasts up all later in the week. He roasts up a bunch of vegetables. You know, he's eating a shit ton of roasted vegetables. Well, ends up going to the emergency room later that room for diverticulitis. He said it felt like he had a knife being stabbed in his lower stomach. And it's like, to me, I'm just thinking, like, think phytonutrients. Like, even though you can go on fucking Healthline and read about how healthy broccoli is and all this shit, it's still, like, this hard piece of food. And, like, that's going through the tubes in your stomach, bro. Like, that shit's not easily digestible. And, like, I feel like that's just proof right there. Like, he ate a bunch of, like, these hard vegetables that he didn't boil. He didn't soften them up. He just charboiled them on the grill. And then next thing you know, he's in the emergency room with just terrible stomach irritability. He's got an NG tube up his nose. He can't eat for a couple of days. Like, like that shit is a crazy threat. And I think a lot of people fall for that where like they'll go look up 
not throwing you under the bus here, but they'll go look up the nutrients in like walnuts or peanuts or fucking broccoli and like they think it's healthy. Well, I'll tell you, like me not having a colon, if I eat broccoli, it comes out exactly how it goes in. Same color and everything. Like my, yeah, it man. literally does nothing. It does nothing. So, like, I mean, it that shows was, how much struggle it does put on your large intestine. Then, exactly. And I think like when you eat foods like a Twix bar, and it has uh, ingredients as long as the encyclopedia, and there's word, there's things in there you can't even pronounce. It kind of begs the question: like, does my body really know how to absorb whatever the fuck this is, or is it going to get passed along? You know. Yeah. <laughs> Very good point. Candidly, like, That's, you burn 5,000 calories, a lot of it will get absorbed, but there's still going to be things that don't get absorbed. Exactly. So it's like you got to just kind of just know what you're eating. and I'm even, like, a little hesitant these days to drink, like, Gatorade Zero because, yeah, you know, I, I re- I've read posts of people, there's, like, an ingredient in Gatorade Zero that, like, gives people diarrhea, like, even though it's zero calories, zero sugar. Like, there's something in it that just sets motherfuckers off. I'm actually drinking one right now, and I was looking at the, the ingredient label. Water, citric acid, sodium, citrate, salt, monopotassium, phosphate, gum, Arab, Arabic, sucralose. Oh, it might be the, like, the gum Arabic thing. Yeah, the A-sulfame potassium glycerol ester of rosin, natural flavor, yellow five. I think it's the sweeteners, like sucralose yeah. and stuff that gets to people, but, Makes yeah. sense. Yeah, and I'm with you. I'm just hooked on this shit. I'm like, oh, just got to stick to water, man. Tough. Yeah, it's tough. I'm trying on that, too. It's actually me and Attitude. My girlfriend, it's our three-year anniversary today, so. Oh, dude, that's what's up. Yeah, we're, yeah, we're going to get some pizza tonight, I admit. But That's all right. Fuck it, man. You got to celebrate, right? Stay, exactly. uh, it's funny. Cause stay stressed, I, stress-free. You always hear about, like, the pizza in Chicago. And, like, from what I've read online, deep dish doesn't actually represent the best pizza in Chicago. You need to get, like, a good-ass pan-fried or, like, pan-cooked, uh, just traditional Fuck, that sounds good, man. <laughs> Some good old Chicago pizza or like Chicago dogs, all that. Out here in Boulder, it's fucking vegan salad wraps and bullshit like that. There's like nothing for like <laughs> pizza. But I mean, it's it's weird. Like the one thing I've noticed, like talking to other people and it's like, I, I just feel like this is like the healthiest area. I just don't see like overweight people really. It's In Boulder? and Yeah, and then it's like, yeah, and then if I see someone like obese, it's like holy shit! Like, it makes you realize again. Like going back to the Midwest. Oh yeah, dude. You know, it's there's it's some, crazy. There's something to that high altitude because I remember when we, my uncle's got a place in Western Montana, and we'll stay overnight in like Central Montana. I can't remember the name of the city, but like everybody there is just like so skinny and in good shape, and it just makes good you man. wonder like, is it the elevation, like? What is it about this the lifestyle having to like, you know, at least for maybe in the, the Montana, like, is it more of a like rural town and right. Dude, I'll go to a baseball. I remember I went to a twins game, like not trying to be a a dick, but like there were so many people that were like, not even just overweight, but like straight up obese. And it's just like, dude, it's like, damn, like what's going on? Like with our society, like this is just insane at this point. It is, and it's like there's so many health issues, and so like, yeah, look what the fuck you're eating, dude. Like, when do you feel like shit? But dude, then I'll go for a jog on Lake Michigan, and there will be someone that's like fucking five ten, two fifty, and they'll like run, they'll just cruise by me on a run. I'm just like, damn. Like, yeah, but you don't know how far he's going. True. Crashing and burning, dude. True. You gotta come here, man. We got. I got a great running route. Once you get here, I got a great. There's, there's dude, I'm hyped, yeah. And uh, actually, Kelsey did kind of spoil uh, my birthday. So what do you mean? <laughs> 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 Nothing. I actually know about it, so yeah, I'll, I'll, it's I'll, the the surprise is over. She she let me in on it, so I'm excited, man. We'll get that run in <laughs> for sure. Yeah, cool. 
Yeah, it was kind of foreshadowing. It's about a it's about a five to six mile run from my apartment to the Navy Pier, and oh, that sounds awesome. There's a straightaway. It's like a quarter mile. You know, I might invest in a couple life jackets where we could just jump in and swim along oh. and just like that'd be pretty sweet. Yeah, and they then got just like get, get like a swim in and probably be hot, so we'll just dry off. You know, walking back or whatever. Oh, dude, there was one day a couple of weeks ago where it was like 95 degrees. You know, I'm running at like 6:37 a.m. in the morning, still hot as shit, especially when you're running on pavement. My feet are blistered, but I ran like seven and a half miles, man, and I was just like, fuck this shit. I was right by the Navy Pier. I just took off my pants and my shirt. It said, no jumping in here, and I said, I saw a ladder, and I was like, fuck that shit, and I just jumped in, bro. It felt so good. Oh, I bet. Yeah, dude, nothing like fresh water. Like, it, it was crazy. Since uh, since we went to the, the park uh, last week, or this, a few days ago, it was like I hadn't been in fresh body of water in Ohio, like, but I just went and jumped in. I was like, oh my god, like, it's amazing, refreshed. It's yeah. so refreshing, bro. Like Fourth of July, there's this this lake in Montana that like it's like kind of in the mountains, and we were cliff jumping like 30, 40 feet up, probably. Scary, wow. honestly, really fucking scary. Dude, it but is, yeah. Cliff you, jumping's no joke. You jump in, and you're just immediately hit with just this freezing cold water. And at first, your body's like, holy shit, man. But then, like, you, you emerge from, you like, you emerge out of the water. Your head comes out the water. You get that breath of fresh air, and you're like, whew, life's good, man. And, like, late, yeah. later that night, I remember we were telling my, my uncle about it, and he was saying, oh, you know why it's so cold? in july is because all the glacial snow on the top of the mountain was melting and flowing up that stream and we were jumping right into it so like literally just jumping into glacial water is just freezing but that's amazing. like you know it's probably ah, i just feel like it's good for you man it has to be the emfs bro yeah but frequency yeah no when you get here though we gotta we gotta go for a jog and maybe take advantage of the water and maybe the bikes because I'm trying to win this Moab race, even though... Triathlon, bro. We'll hit it. Yeah. Like, rental bike. Use the Chicago rental bike. Yeah. So, I got I got one more question I want to turn to, and then we can probably cut loose because it's already been 40 minutes. But what... You know, when it comes to Moab, man, what are you trying to place? Like, when you actually wake up every morning, like, what are you telling yourself? What place are you shooting for? Like, are you taking an approach of, like... Uh, I just want to prove to myself that I can run an incline elevation run. Or are you like, I want to fucking nah. win this shit. Like, where are you at with that? Yeah, I'm definitely trying to win it more so. Like, if any, like anything top 10, I'd be happy with. But, like, you know, I can't sell myself short trying to win it. You know, I know I can fucking run a half marathon with some incline. Mm-hmm. You know, it's... Not, I mean, don't want to be cock here or anything, but it's like it's not, it, it's not that crazy of an incline. I mean, about 18, yeah, like 1,800 feet. I mean, let me just double check that, like, graph. But, yeah, from what I, my understanding, 1,800 feet, so we're 13 miles. It's not too, uh, too bad, you know. It's, um, the ones out here I'm doing near Boulder, it's like Green Mountain is about 1,500, 1,600 feet and then, uh, three, three and a half mile run, so. Yeah, and it looks like the race actually starts at 3,900 feet of elevation, and then it gets all the way up to 4,800 feet. So, it's like, yeah, nine thousand. But that's all, like, it's all rapid. Like, when me and you did that traverse run in Duluth, that was 10 miles. But, like, seven of the 10 miles was uphill. Where, like, yeah, it looks dude. like the peak incline here is within four miles, which is really interesting. Yeah, it is. Yeah, so four miles, it's like that's the hump. And, and then you kind of start going downhill. I'm actually looking at the, the map right now, but mm-hmm. it's kind of just all over the place, essentially. But And the guy that um, won it, the guy that won it ran it at about a 720 pace, I want to say, last year. And so, fucking nuts. I mean, getting up is your oh. biggest challenge, but I mean, then it's just downhill from there. Like, I want to I catch that mofo. I did some research oh, yeah. into him. Exactly. I actually just looked uh, who won the... I didn't realize Peterman won the marathon last year. Yeah, he's won it the last few years, man. He's a dog. Damn, dude, he ran it out of two fifty one. That's fucking nuts. And he's six foot three, which is inspiring because when you go on Reddit and on the internet, 
as a as a tall runner, they kind of tell you you're shit out of luck. But then Adam Peterman just came and won the uh, Western States 100 on his first attempt. So pretty savage, dude. I'm looking. At, yeah, the guy who won it last year was Ty Dinger from Madison, Wisconsin. Ran it in an hour 34. Who was it? Ty T A I Dinger. E-I-N-G-E-R. That's who won it last year? Yeah, for Sunday half marathon. Damn, he ran at Stanford, Johnson. bro. Did. According to Google. And then Aaron Hirsch from Boulder, Colorado. I'm curious. It's it's cool looking these guys up. But I mean, yeah, they're definitely gonna have some good competition. Like that's why I think I think if you even just go with like I mean, obviously, like I said, you want to win it, but if you place anything near impressive, like Wait. You're gonna get recognized. Yeah. You're in Colorado. Look at everybody from Colorado. Damn. That kid that Rainbow. that Thai dude, he's on the Wisconsin running racing team. Harvard PhD student in health policy. Stanford cross country and track and field graduated twenty nineteen. Damn, he's only a year older. Yeah. Oh because wait. If you got never mind, he got his master. We'll but yeah, that's that. sweet dude. Like We'll uh we'll definitely see some people there, man. Oh yeah, it's gonna be see what last. Bro. There's only three people at DNF'd. The dude I was looking up, his name is Anthony Blinken, or Kunkel, Anthony Kunkel. Yeah. And he actually does like a keto diet, which I thought was interesting. He just eats sardines and shit. I'm like, bro, I'm com- coming for you, Anthony. Yeah. If you ever mm-hmm. hear this shit, bro, if we win this Moab and you're like looking up us. You stumble upon this podcast. Find this fucking podcast. We're coming for your ass. You were warned, man. <laughs> it's crazy, though. I'm just looking at these times, man. It's like 20th place got two hours. Hold on. 13-mile uh, pace chart. Let me just look this up quick. Tell me some times, and I'll tell you that according to the half marathon oh, pace yeah, chart. Yeah. But that's not great adjust. I mean, this is... You gotta do like great adjusted paces and stuff. I wonder if we could find some of these people Strava and like, or like actual splits. Wait, hold up. Kind of getting into the weeds of it, but. Wait, what was the? You said the twentieth place got two hours. Yeah, it was two hours and twenty six seconds. Wow. So, so basically about a nine minute mile. That's about two hours. That's pretty good. Damn. What about the guy that got first? What did he run in? One thirty four oh seven. One thirty four oh seven. So about a seven ten pace, which is incredible. That's crazy. That's good, but that's realistic, bro. I mean, I think it's realistic. It's just like for me, it, it, I'm used to running on flat, so I'm just trying to imagine like how is the incline gonna slow you down and how is it will. I mean, it just it, it's just with. Uh, I mean, for me running now, it's. Just kind of with rhythm, throws your time off. Yep, and I, pacing. I think we're gonna have to watch some like videos of people running that, which I, I mean I already have, but I've like just actually study the run and understand like where. To... That's the thing, man. That's another thing of it. It's like it's our first time running it, so like you know we have we're fresh, a fresh trail, don't really know it. Yeah, but I mean you can study honestly the elevation map and kind of get a good idea look up some local like um u.s geological geological like uh maps with the like, topography just to kind of look at the trails and i mean you can kind of get a good sense but and just envisioning it i feel like is this might be naive yeah. but i'm almost thinking like just push through that incline bro just get through it and it's just down it's not just down mostly but it's mostly down but I mean, if you look at mile seven, it's like it flattens you out around 4,500 feet, and then you jump back up to like 4,800, 4,700. So it's like there's still some incline, some hill gains, but it's just not going to be the same level as like mile three. And I think it's definitely going to be tough, man. The incline, it's like we either make or break it, but it's like, is that where you want to try and like send it already? Well, hopefully, That's we'll, my, that, I mean, that might be the point of where you know the winners sort of get separated at the beginning. It's like, can you can you send it on the incline and keep up? Like, here's what I learned about incline, though, man. There's two things that matter. One, you need to have a very low body fat percentage because you don't want to carry any extra weight when you're going up that. 
Two, you want to have incredibly strong quads and legs. So, like, that's where I think, like, you could get a leg up on the competition if you're able to get that strength training and have that low body fat. Because I think people like you and me, or like, honestly, if you look at, like, David Goggins, David Goggins is incredibly strong, but he would run his ultras at, like, 190 pounds. Like, he could have easily lost, like, another 20 pounds and been a fucking dog, in my opinion. But... Yeah. Yeah, no, it's gonna be, it's gonna be interesting, man. Yeah, for sure, I'm hyped for it, dude. It's coming up. It's it's far away, but not really. All right, so probably five months. 102 days, I believe. Um, so my last question, you know, it's July 27th. It's Wednesday. What you know, if we were to revisit a week from now on Wednesday, you might even fucking be here. But, like, what are you going to do from today until Wednesday? Like, what's your goals? Um, just keep staying consistent. Uh, keep the runs going. Keep the the training, the gym, so switching off. I'm kind of doing every other day at the moment. Stay consistent with that and keep building it, rehabbing the ankle, see how that feels. Got to kind of take it one step at a time with that. Mm-hmm. Don't really want to revert it back, but... Um, yeah, just kind of starting to stay steady grinding. I think uh, the is the key thing. Just keep focusing on those legs. Gotcha. Love. And uh, diet as well. Yeah. Gotcha. Cool, man. Well, we'll have to check in a week from today and, and see how it is. Yeah, let's do it, man. We'll be checking in. Yeah, maybe next time uh, our next podcast will even just be us too. When do we need to do it over uh, online? We'll be uh, in person. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, all right, cool. Jay said, Goody, this is Open Minded Sports, episode one, training for the Moab Half Trail Marathon. Uh, I'm Audi. Jordan, you got any final words? No, nothing. It's just uh, keep uh, keep the lookout for for me and Goody. This run's going to be the start, man. It's... Uh, I'm excited. Just keep building. That's all I think. Uh, one step at a time, man. Amen, bro. Hopefully we'll be able to look back on this podcast and be like, we did that shit. So, cool. No running experience. No cross. We, none of us did this at the collegiate level. Fuck you, Stanford motherfuckers. Fuck you, Colorado guys. Sorry, Jordan. Fuck you, runners, bro. We're, dis- we're here to disrupt. What is it? Disrupt our own program, man. Foothill gang. Yep, Foothill gang. And just remember, just remember this. Lee du Nord. Hell yeah, man. The star of the North. It's the motto. <laughs> Let's do it. All right, bro. I'll talk to you later, man. Yeah, peace out, dude. Peace.